right now on Matter of Fact. She's a warrior in the battle to beat COVID-19. I cannot overemphasize how deadly the virus is and that the pandemic is not over. Worried about those who think they're not at risk. And to our younger population, you're not immune. Will we heed the warning from the nurse who got the nation's first dose of the COVID vaccine? Plus, thousands of Afghan refugees are reliving the nightmares they left behind. The ones that are coming right now are just going through so much trauma. They don't know the future, what the future holds for their families. Are we prepared to welcome those who will now call America home? But we start today remembering the day America wept. This is your, your brother's Yeah, bench. this is Dave's, uh, Dave's bench. He was my younger brother. Life stories carved into history at the site of tragedy. Do you know why they wanted it here? Well, we all felt this is the place where it happened, where Dave's soul left mm -hmm. the earth. Has our grief turned to healing? I'm Soledad O'Brien. Welcome to Matter of Fact. This weekend, Americans paused to reflect on the tragedies that played out on September 11th, 2001. I'm here at the Pentagon Memorial that was created to honor the people who died on that terrible day. 20 years ago, on a beautiful September morning, Al-Qaeda terrorists attacked American targets hijacking four airplanes they used as weapons, killing nearly 3,000 people. At the Pentagon, 189 people were killed when a plane hit the western side of the building. About 200 miles away, passengers fought to gain control of Flight 93. It crashed into a field near Shanksville, Pennsylvania, killing all 40 people on board. And in New York City, just before 9 a.m., a commercial aircraft hit the north tower of the World Trade Center. Less than 20 minutes later, another slammed into the South Tower. That tower collapsed just before 10 a.m. The North Tower fell shortly after. A total of 2,606 people died in those attacks that day. New York firefighters rushed into the burning towers while survivors ran for their lives. A handful of those firefighters were women. Just crashed into the World Trade Center. Yeah. We just need a fifth alarm for Tower 2. We got there at 8.54. We really flew. The South Tower, though it had been hit second, went down first. All you heard was people screaming. Terry is just one of the extraordinary women who came to the rescue that day. We saw the worst of human beings on this planet. I also think that we saw the best. We led the charge into Manhattan with this whole group of Brooklyn firefighters because we had the lights and sirens. There were eight officers from my battalion who responded. Five of them were killed. These are all women. You can't see it too much, but they're holding, see this hose line here? Brenda Berkman fought for that right in 1979 when she sued the fire department for gender discrimination. Three years later, she won. Over here, you know, we've got the names of, of all the people who were lost that day. Brenda retired a captain in 2006. She now gives tours of the 9-11 Tribute Center. 
hoping to remind people of the women at Ground Zero. People have turned such an awful event into something where they make a difference in, in today's world. It could have been me. Uh, and um, if I'm still here, I need to serve a purpose. I'm hopeful that what I can do with the rest of my life is spend it in a way that uh, creates peace, that I can continue to try and make the world a better place. Brenda Berkman is using her experience from September 11, 2001 to create lasting artwork of the World Trade Center site and its rebuilding. We caught up with her recently in New York. The morning after 9-11, I could not see a future beyond a few hours. So everything was very narrow. And, um, and it took a long time before people's perspectives started widening again. And I'd always wanted to make something. I didn't know what. I was eligible to retire and I had some health issues. And I thought, you know, I think I want to be an artist. One of the things that was important to me was to put women in my art in heroic roles. That women first responders and women in other kinds of you know, heroic roles. Even the women who had lost their lives doing their jobs down there, you never heard about them. All the women who had been there doing exactly the same things that the men had been doing had just been erased from the story. So for the 10th anniversary of 9-11, I did a series that, that had a, my 9-11 self-portrait. It was the first time I'd ever done any kind of art that had an overt 9-11 theme. In one print, I put in the portraits of the three women who lost their lives on 9-11, trying to correct the historical record. And I wanted the history of 9-11 and all history going forward to include women because without women's stories, we don't have the full story. Next on Matter of Fact, frontline workers feeling the stress of the COVID surge. It's very draining, it's exhausting. The critical care nurse who got the nation's first vaccine pleads for your help in the battle with COVID-19. And still to come, his brother's death on 9-11 changed everything. After Dave died, you know, you started to realize that you need to live your life as best you can. See the monument to lives well lived. Infection numbers are heading the wrong direction. The spread of the highly contagious Delta variant is responsible for a case count that's now three times higher than it was a year ago. Hospitalizations and deaths are climbing as the nation struggles to reach a vaccination rate to turn the pandemic around. At least 75 million people eligible for the vaccine have not been vaccinated. That statistic made us think about critical care nurse Sandra Lindsay, the first person in the country to be vaccinated. Here she is at the end of a recent shift at Long Island Jewish Medical Center, where cases are on the rise again. When I leave at the end of 
the day, I tell myself that I did the best job I did with what I had for the day. And when I get home, I usually do uh, 20 minutes of transcendental meditation just to clear my mind. And then I go for a run. During the peak of the, of the pandemic, you just felt like you were being hit upside the head from side to side, side to side, nonstop every day and you just can't get out of it. It's very draining, it's exhausting. I don't get frustrated. Um, in my profession, we have to, you know, continue to take care of these patients and for as tired and stressed as we are as healthcare workers, I am, we show up every day. That's what we, we're here for. We do it for our patients. What I am is concerned that people think that the pandemic is over. I cannot overemphasize how deadly the virus is and that the pandemic is not over. It's still happening. And to our younger population who feel that they're immune from this virus, you're not immune. As Sandra Lindsay mentions, frontline caregivers have been physically, emotionally, and mentally drained by the ongoing battle with COVID-19. I asked her about burnout, the pandemic's impact on the nursing profession, and the future of healthcare. It feels like we're back to these emergencies uh, happening uh, around the country, and COVID case after COVID case, and overwhelmed hospitals yet again. I'm going to ask you to speak for some of your medical professional colleagues. How are you feeling about that? We are mentally and physically drained and exhausted. We're hopeful, I'm hopeful, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm human and so I'm very tired. I'm very concerned still. There was a study out um, by McKinsey that said that roughly 22% of nurses who were surveyed indicated that they might leave direct patient care because of that exhaustion, because of that stress level. And, and by the way, that, that survey was done before this latest uh, surge of COVID cases. Does that sound right to you? We've seen some of particularly our younger nurses who have said that they can't deal with this. The stress is too much. And um, we've seen quite a few who have left the critical care space to go practice in different areas, outpatient, outpatient areas where they feel like the stress level um, is lower. We need more nurses. And for nurses to be departing the profession because they're burnt out or traumatized, that is devastating. Where do you think we go from here? We have to continue to drive home um, to, to people out there that this, this virus is real, it's deadly, it's killing us. I'm seeing it in the hospital, I continue to see it. If you care about your healthcare workers, if you really want to show us your appreciation, please comply with the guidelines please go out and get vaccinated because that's the only way we're going to see COVID in the rear view mirror. Sandra Lindsay uh, is a nurse at Long Island Jewish Medical Center in Long Island. Thanks for talking with me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Soledad. Coming up on Matter of Fact, we grieve our collective loss. 
there's something very um, unnerving about seeing those benches down there, the ones of the little children. Right, and you realize, oh my God, those were, those were kids. And later, this woman is preparing to welcome the Afghan families who fled the Taliban. They still have that, oh my God, who is that at the door? Are they here to hurt us? How she'll help them overcome their fears. Welcome back to Matter of Fact at the National 9-11 Pentagon Memorial. Since 2008, this memorial has been a solemn space for mourners to pay respects to those who died when terrorists flew American Airlines Flight 77 into the west side of the Pentagon. The memorial is made up of a series of benches that lay out a timeline of the victims' ages. Jim Lechak, the executive director of the memorial, lost his brother David that day. David was a civilian employee for the Army. His workspace was in the Pentagon. I met Jim at the bench that honors his brother's life. It's engraved with David's name. This is your, your brother's yeah, bench. Yeah, this is Dave's, uh, Dave's bench. Dave's bench here, he was my uh, younger brother. Dave was a civilian working for the Department of the Army. So this is roughly the location where the plane hit the Pentagon, right? Yes, the um, age lines, as we call them, Dave was born in 1961, he's on the 1961 age line, uh, are oriented to the flight path of the plane into the building. And this is a, a site that where the families wanted the memorial. They wanted it here. To, to be here. So how did all of this become your life's work? Yeah, no, it's, it's one of those things where you just kind of series of events lead to one thing and then next thing you know you're you've been doing this for you know a long time i used to work for a company called accenture and uh, i asked them during the early part if i could work on this project tell me about the memorial's design right. i mean it's it's the scope is so grand yep. and so quiet too simultaneously it's it's, it's a memorial bench or memorial unit that kind of swoops up over a pool of water. So it goes back to that, creating a place of solace, peace, and healing with the, the water that flows underneath and then the, the very interesting design. And you can, you can actually see how the benches, you know, point different ways. So the, the benches that point away from the Pentagon are actually the people that died in the Pentagon because when you come up to their name at the end of the bench, you'll see the Pentagon in the background. Mm -hmm. And then it's reversed for somebody on the plane. You walk up to uh, the bench, you see the name in the, of the uh, person, you'll see the sky in the background. And the uh, uh, age lines are oriented from the youngest uh, to the oldest. There's so. something very um, unnerving about seeing those benches down there yeah. that are right. the, the ones of the little children. Right. There's a, there's a gap, if you will, between the children's benches uh, who died on the plane and then it picks up with working age adults, probably 21, 22. And you realize uh, that's another powerful feature of it. Oh my God, those were, those were kids. Three-year-old, uh, eight-year-old, and uh, three kids on a DC school trip with their teachers to California. What are you hoping that visitors who come here take away from their experience? Yeah, I've been thinking about uh, all that's happened in the last 20 years, all that's happened, you know, since we dedicated the memorial. And I think family members all feel this way too, is we want people to remember. We want people to remember what happened here that day. We want people to remember our loved ones. And I think we want people to remember that feeling in our country after 9-11, how we all came together, that feeling of unity. And I think that's, 
you know, something that we've lost, and I hope we'd be able to recapture it, but that's, that's what I think is important. We're more alike than we are different. Next on Matter of Fact, her job is to help refugee families settle into new lives. Gradually, they kind of get that, like, yeah, they're here to help us, and it, it's safe to talk to them. Hear what she says about the challenge of gaining their trust. To stay up to date with Matter of Fact, sign up for our newsletter at matteroffact.tv. Across the country, Americans are stepping forward to welcome Afghan refugees evacuated by U.S. and allied forces. A recent Washington Post ABC News poll says 68% of Americans support taking in refugees who've passed security reviews. 27% are opposed. Those opposed cite security concerns and questions about the vetting process. As of August 31st, the official end of America's longest war, the State Department says nearly 23,000 Afghan refugees have arrived at eight U.S. military bases. Zanit Khan runs the Dallas-Fort Worth Refugee Service, which is preparing for a massive influx of refugee families once they finish quarantine. For us, mostly it's just mentoring, like visiting these families, sitting with them, hearing them out, how they came here, why, why are they here, assessing their needs with respect to, like I said, their mental health, physical health, kids, you know, um, that is our role here. So it's just not only giving them, so when they arrive, we do give them the basic necessities. What's the next step to, to kind of make them stronger, kind of make them stand on their own feet? Our correspondent, Laura Chavez, spent several days in Dallas at the Refugee Service. Next week, we'll have her report on the challenges ahead and the search for permanent refuge in the U.S. Listen to Matter of Fact with Soledad O'Brien on your favorite podcast provider. Watch us during the week on FYI, Pluto, and YouTube. Ahead on Matter of Fact, the images that broke our hearts and those that are helping us heal. Weekend's show marks the beginning of season seven, and once again, we're reflecting on our collective memories of 9-11 and our collective grief. Hopefully, we're also moving toward healing. Those directly impacted who suffered the most personal losses often fear their loved ones will be forgotten. We understand that fear. So we turn to some of our Hearst newspaper colleagues and ask them to share the photos they took that day. Images in this viewfinder that bear witness to the importance of remembering. Matter of fact, I'm Soledad O'Brien.